Welcome, 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 and it's time to assemble. Not the Avengers. We got a better group of Earth's Mightiest Heroes. We've got the Cinematic Council Ooh. of Podcasts. Um, my name's Ian. Next person up would be. Oh, <laughs> this is Kevin from the podcast that wouldn't die. Uh, this is Stu from Stu World Order. This is Agent Scott from the Spy Hearts Podcast. This is Carlo from the Movie Loot, where we know how to count. Oh, shots fired already. (laughs) Salty, salty. Wow. (laughs) Wow. All right. I'd love to say that we didn't. I'd love to say that we didn't like do like almost like not a run through, but like some sort of thing where I went through what everybody's position was. (laughs) That would be a lie. <laughs> uh, we're, we're we're here for your I don't know infotainment as uh, we sit around and look at the state of the uh, entertainment industry, I guess at large, and more specifically looking at films. Um, as we sit here in the middle of a very sweltery kind of summer, we were just discussing, at least over here in the UK. I'm assuming for some of you who live in California or Pittsburgh or Puerto Rico, it's what is this? Is par for the course this year? It's yes. pretty hot. Is it pretty hot? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. It's a nice. It's a nice day today. Apparently, it's going to peak at like seventy-eight this week. So this week's going to be good. Hopefully, you're getting that coming across the Atlantic to you. I hope so. Apparently, I, I think I saw Monday. It's supposed to finally like thunderstorm in the evening, but we'll see. It, it that'll delay probably. Uh, speaking of things that were stormy and have not yet passed. Last time we got together, I think we spoke a fair bit about Will Smith. I think it would behoove us. Did anybody catch the apology, finger quotes, fully intended around that word of Will Smith on his, uh, that he released to the credible news outlet source called Will Smith's official YouTube channel? Oh, I cried. (laughs) (laughs) I saw it. I saw it. I I read the, the transcripts as well. So no, I'm, I'm fully versed. Oh, I don't know. I mean, I'm 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 a pessimist. I mean, I went on a big rant and said I will never watch another Will Smith movie unless it's for the purpose of the podcast, which I have. I've done Men in Black since, but that side of it. Now, am I am I as angry as I was? No, I'm not. But I still. I, I don't know. I'm still very distant from from buying into a microbe of the bs he's trying to peddle as part of, as he tries furiously to reshape this narrative is it just am i cynical what's the viewpoint are people are people leaning towards forgiving will or are you even were you even that mad to begin with i don't know i just i i the vessel of love is a bully and a liar as far as i'm concerned anybody else I was never as mad as everybody else, but I genuinely for several days in the wake of it thought the whole thing was fake. So I never got that mad to begin with because I thought the whole thing was a shtick. I remember mentioning that on the last cinematic council. And then the further we get from it, the more proof there is that it was an actual real thing that he did. The more we're just permanently distracted by the one man crime spree, Ezra Miller. So, <laughs> right. We did mention I that. I think he's doing these days. I think we did mention that. We just, we just finished recording a quiz. Stu was part of it. And I think I opined, is there anybody more thankful for Will Smith than Ezra Miller? <laughs> And vice versa. Uh, I don't know if Will's getting the heat taken off him too much by Ezra. I really don't. Um, I, I don't know. I think I, I I think that what Ethan said in the, in one of your episodes, I I can agree. There there's a, a bit of a weird timing in when he released the, his his apology 
because Chris Rock hasn't said much. But as soon as no. they started to like report that Chris Rock was talking a bit about it on, on his stand-ups, all of a sudden, boom, there's the... There's whoa, the, whoa, 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 whoa. I'll settle for a lot of things in my life, but attributing things I have said to Ethan is not one of them. That's right from the, <laughs> that's right from the mouth of your glorious host here. So- <laughs> no, no, yeah, but, but Ethan, Ethan said something also to that effect, but what best film ever said, I mean. Um, <laughs> but I thought, I thought the timing was um, convenient for, for, for Will. Um, like he had everything set up And as soon as Chris Rock started talking something like, okay, I have to jump in front of this and, and, and try yeah. to uh, deflect some of it. Like when, when Chris Rock says, I don't want an apology, that doesn't mean go on YouTube and apologize to me through a public forum. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, so that, I that's. He said, he, I think he said he reached out to Chris Rock. Yep. And Chris said he wasn't ready. Chris yet. Rock says, it's deflecting. Right. So isn't that your cue to not say anything else rather than look at the barrel of the camera and go, Chris, if you're, if, if you're watching. No. Ha <laughs> 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 You ain't watching. Yeah. So I don't know. Wait, wait, I, I actually wasn't in the uh, episode when you spoke about the. Uh, oh, do we have to break this Chris down Chris for you? Have you heard about what happened with Will Smith I, and Chris Rock? I, I'd maybe seen it on Twitter <laughs> once or twice. Uh, a couple of clips. I, I've listen. heard tale. Yeah, he won an Oscar. I, I, I've seen him. Yeah, he, he won an Oscar that night, right? Exactly, yeah. Um, I keep forgetting I, about that. At the time, I was sort of outraged at just how little had been done to reprimand someone assaulting another person on live television. And I'm still in that position. But at the same time, the amount of Fs I could give about these celebrities who are millionaires um, just licking their wounds in public Uh, is very minimal when the world is burning around us, if I'm Absolutely. being completely honest. And so, yes, he can put a YouTube video out saying how he's very sorry and he's sorry that Chris won't accept his apology to say that he's sorry. Okay, great. I hope it gets a million views and all the ad revenue goes straight to his bank account, which I'm sure it will. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but honestly, I couldn't care at this point. They can shake hands. I w- still wouldn't care. So the hard part for me is I, 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 I teach for a living and – I asked, it came up in a conversation with my students and overwhelmingly, like 98% of them feel Will Smith was 100% justified in what he did. And uh, I'm just 100%. saying, 100%. Oh, like they were like, yeah, like Will's, yeah, he disrespected. Yeah, you, you got to take care of that. I'm like, no, that's, that's not. And so that's my issue is more about what, you know, as, as, a, as a critical thinking adult, I, I have my own side of things, but the question going, what's the larger story that gets, and unfortunately, Will's the one doing the talking now. It's not me saying Chris Rock owes me some sort of public format or forum by which to, right. to, to correct it, but it is me going in the vacuum of anybody else doing the talking. Will's message gets to stand up almost unchallenged unless other people i guess do some sort of challenge like he said he sat there literally and and said that uh he's trying not to feel ashamed about what he did i feel bad but i don't feel ashamed and i'm going no that's how remorse works remorse works that i feel ashamed about what i did and that shame is what stops me from doing it again that's the key element of 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 guilt or else you're just a sociopath just a thought I, mean, I, mean, I, didn't, I didn't watch it, so I don't have a ton of oh, really? you know, what he said. Yeah, I didn't. Oh, because it, it's like so I said, it overproduced. 
Oh really? Oh, it's 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 like it's like it's like a two camera setup. You can see the hot box light. Like he set it up so you're kind of like watching it, but you're also aware that you're watching a production because he's left the hot box visible in the shot. And it's like chirons that like bring each question up uh, and then fades back into him. Oh, that's brutal. I mean, it, it's such a, it's such a, what's the opposite of off the cuff? It, it's designed. It's oh, produced. Yeah. It's, been, it's yeah. produced. It's highly Rehearsed. produced. Yeah. There's, yeah. I can tell there's like a director behind the camera, two writers, a producer, a, a boy running back and forth yeah. with water for everyone. And so it, it feels so fake boy. that I just, yeah, it, it just makes me disengage like from they, anything you think. They have brainstormed, like, and like, what's our, yeah. what's our strategy for how we're going to direct this? So, yeah. What, what, what words who, do I need to say? Who sent those questions? Who sent those questions? Yeah. Um, I don't know. Maybe this is a good point to start pivoting about the second half we sort of already alluded to. Ezra Miller and will the Flash film ever come out? <laughs> I hope oh, not. we live in a world where the Batgirl film won't. But as of right now, the Flash movie is on the cards. Liam is beside himself because he's just dying to see old man Batman at no. Like, whatever has to happen, he just wants to see that. And I'm going, guy, I think you're going to you might lose at the altar of much bigger things here. This, this I would is like to tool. point out. Oh, go ahead, Carlo. No, no, go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say, I want to point out that. Warner Brothers spent $90 million on Batgirl. Batgirl's almost finished. Their reason that they're saying they're not going to release it is it's not up to their level of quality they want to release. I would like to name a few of the movies that Warner Brothers has released (laughs) in the last couple of years. He's got a list. We have Aquaman. We have Birds of Prey. The first Suicide Squad movie. The Mortal Kombat remake matrix resurrections space jam 2 <laughs> batman oh, no. versus superman maybe warner brothers if you think something is bad quality you should play a little opposite day game and go against your instincts because i've seen what you do release i, I just want to thank you for someone else having the nerve to call out birds of prey for being crap oh it's terrible birds of prey is terrible Oh, there were people who have had arguments with like no it's really i'm like it's not it's really not, it's, not it's a terrible film Okay. Yeah, but the truth is that that's a, a 200 million movie and they're, they're not going to scrap it just like that. So I'm sure that they are praying that they can get a hold of Ezra and somehow uh, put him in therapy or, or just in front of a camera, kind of like Will Smith, to apologize <laughs> about all the things he has done. But the thing is that, that this, this is just criminal right now. I mean, there are criminal charges be, being uh, filed right now. So it, it it's just, a crime wave. It's, it's, it's a snowball. <laughs> yeah, it's a snowball effect of things just piling up over one another. Um, it, it's a mess. I mean, it, it, I'm, I'm pretty sure that they're just um, scrambling to know what to do. Why? It's a bummer because I enjoy watching him. He's he's fun on the screen. He's the best part of uh, what Hawaii says. He he was the best part of Justice League for sure. That's what Hawaii says. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> replace him with Tignataro. Sorry, replace him with who? Replace Tignataro. him with Tignataro. I'm trying to envision that. I don't know who they, that is. They, Sorry. They, take this that's, out. The, okay. that's what happened I've heard in the, name, the Army but... of the Dead movie. Oh, okay. Yes. They had an actor who they filmed the entire movie with. He came under fire for something. So they just shit canned him and brought in Tignataro and just pretty much just, just shot her with no one else. 
and just threw the scenes into the oh, movie. Okay. It's it's a mess. Was it, it, it TJ it Miller? Who did she replace? I'm yes, I think it was, T- it, it was oh, something was it? of that level of TJ okay. Miller, like who, okay. got, who got canned. I mean, okay, it, it's probably not feasible to spend another hundred million shooting Tig Notaro into the Flash, seeing as. <laughs> Thing is, the story of this Flash film, I think, is like meant to be the Flashpoint story or something like that. I don't know comic books. Yeah. That's from what I've read. So there's meant to be many old Flashes in that film, many Ezra Millers. Um, so there'll be many Jet Jet Reno's. Sorry, not Jet Reno. There'll be many uh, Tignatara. I'm Star Trek discovering myself right now. Um, and so that wouldn't be feasible. Will it ever come out? I think they spent too much money on it. I think they have to roll. Oh, it. Yeah. what's the, what's yeah. that number? Jeez. You got to figure if they're going to cancel it. There's no better time to do it than when you're already canning Batgirl as well. I just get it all over at once because they're eating a yeah. lot of negative press right now for not doing it. So you got to figure they're in. It's, so, to go, to it's go back such with, a terrible optic nowadays that you have yeah. two movies, one with a female person of color lead who has done nothing wrong whatsoever. And you can that movie. And meanwhile, you have, like I said, the, the one man crime wave, Ezra Miller, a white dude. And you're like, yeah, we're going to release that movie. It's a terrible optic. Like I can't believe in 2022, a company doesn't see how bad that is. I genuinely think, I genuinely think they're going to cancel the flash. I know what it costs. I know everything about that. Like, nothing good comes from releasing that movie at this point. And I think they're just delaying it so that after all the bad press from uh, canceling Batgirl and all the discovery mergers subsides, you know, they can say, Oh, we're going to cancel the flash. And hopefully people are like, Oh yeah, good job. And give them some praise for finally doing what they should have already done. I mean, I I really, I really don't have a dog in the fight because I haven't seen uh, the only DCEU film has been Man of Steel. And I have to thank Stu for that. Um, Ah! But but, um, it it is my impression, as Stu said, that most DCEU films are shaky. The record is a bit shaky. Um, So I'm pretty sure that the reason that they can't bat girl is maybe that they're trying to uh, adjust the narr- the whole narrative of the universe and maybe what they were doing in bad girl doesn't kind of fit with what they were going to uh, since they have a new like a new producer or a new head of 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 the studio right they have a new, there's a new guy there's a new guy at top i think um and, and maybe he's trying to redirect the narrative in, in in a new direction and maybe bad girl doesn't fit that vision and flash does i, I don't know I, I think that's that's my impression that's what they can one and not the other just a, a couple of thoughts. I mean, it, it staggers my brain that Batgirl, at a time where content has never been more important with all these uh, studios being part of giant conglomerates with multiple channels of uh, distribution, whether it be theatrically through television, like, that you can't find room for this somewhere on your docket. Which, and, and that's why I think it's it, it they're canning it because if they dump it on HBO Max, for example – it's going to affect maybe the narrative that they're going through, the story. Uh, I think that's why they're candidate. I mean, the, if they don't release it at all, they recoup the insurance money. That's the issue. Is that it? That's why oh, they can't okay. show it anywhere. Because the can't show it anywhere. they got to bury it. The word they used was. I was, was going to e- say, like, even if they want to have a vision going forward. I don't see how Batgirl could possibly interfere with anything because DC's last several movies have just been a hodgepodge of random crap. Like you have 
Black Adam, which seems to be tied into nothing. Shazam, which is a sequel to a Shazam movie that may or may not have been related to anything. The Suicide Squad was kind of a sequel to Suicide Squad. The Batman, the Joker were completely standalones. They have had no vision whatsoever. So yeah, Kevin, you're saying that like they just want the money back from it. That's the only thing that makes sense to me because what possible vision at this point could Batgirl screw up? Oh, there's no vision. Ray Charles has more vision. <laughs> Regarding the Flash movie, I have a thought, and it's... Th- I think the Flash might be part of a really interesting experiment, which I think already began in cinema, and it began with Fantastic Beasts Part 3. Because I remember sitting here and talking with Danny, because he was on our last one, I believe, and we talked about, will people still go see this film? Or is there a very vocal minority who make a lot of noise on social media who will either be giant hypocrites or not as influential as we think? I didn't see number three. I didn't see number two. I saw number one and went, that was depressing and didn't touch the thing. But I went, that is a, that is a franchise. That is a property. People are going to go ahead and they're going to do this. And then they're going to do this. And they're going to really work well for a visual me, uh, audio medium. They're going to do a lot of talking. And then when their talking's done, they're going to go, one ticket, please. Because Fantastic Beasts, in a pandemic film economy, still brought home double its production budget. Now, we know with advertising, that probably means it's coming close to breaking even, if not losing just a bit of money. But it did far better than I think we thought with the amount of noise that was coming out. Do these movies, the Fantastic Beasts movies, like have a grip on the zeitgeist, like the original Harry Potter movies? had because i remember my kids love the harry potters and we have seen none of the fantastic i don't work in a primary i i work in a secondary but it does start at year at 11 years of age over here in the uk there's it's nothing because because there's no book that it's going off of so they're just film events so it's not what the but kids still love their harry potter it's amazing all all the noise about jk rowling but they still love they won't let go of the characters and i'm like it's a really weird disconnect where i'm like you kind of the best example was we covered it a little bit on the pod last week. There's this group of um, apologies if anybody listening or if any of you guys even involved in this. There's a group of arrested developmentally stunted uh, adults who go out and they dress up in robes and they play Quidditch. Okay, and they run and they run around on brooms and they try and catch it's someone. It's, it's what? It's quid what? It's not Quidditch anymore. It's now called quad ball now they're going should we should we stop doing the thing that jk rounds associated with oh no we still want to do the things she came up with okay do we get rid of the robes and the brooms and the wizarding no no we're gonna keep all that oh so what are we gonna do we're, we're gonna change the name from quidditch to quad ball it is that the very least we could do? Yes, that is the very least we could do. It is the most performative <laughs> version of social awareness that we want to bring to the table. Like It's just ridiculous, and people will do a lot of talking, right. and they'll go buy their ticket. Or they'll do a lot of talking, and they'll remember you know, what they're like when they were a kid and they lived, loved Harry Potter. And I think it's going to be no different with things like The Flash. And I think WB are going to test it out. They're going to float it out there and go you willing to go see it because we got old man batman in there and i think there's people doing a lot of talking and they'll go look at it whether it's to be part of a train wreck and people want to be part of the conversation and i think that that ticket to watch the movie allows you access to be part of that conversation and i think you can they're going to put it out there i think it will it won't do brilliantly but i think it won't be a disaster and i think uh, they'll try and spin every element not named ezra miller wherever they want to go with it well, I just got the, an idea. 
Go, no, go ahead. Go ahead. Go well, ahead. okay. I, well, there's two things I have to say about this. Firstly, you just got to look at the whole Snyder Cut fiasco when it comes to all those bots that were found out that were doing all this retweeting on Twitter and saying how they're going to release the Snyder Cut, and it turns out to be one of the worst watched things on HBO Max. Turns really? out there wasn't much. Of, yeah, in, in, in what capacity worst? I, I'm just curious because we we did because we did a thing on the Snyder Cut when when it came out, and mm. it's it's on IMDb. It's still like there's a very active minority but like it's yeah. still rated ridiculously high eight out of ten on imdb like eight out of ten is our barrier for what we watch like the movies that don't get eight out of ten and yet this thing has jesus insane sorry to interrupt please go ahead no 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 well I, i'll have to pull up the article and send it out maybe put it in the show notes but there was a recent discovery that a lot of the people who were making noise on twitter for the snyder cut just turned out to be bots That's they were hilarious. all just yeah. bots and and it and you just think and then they they were HBO Max released some numbers that shows that the that the, the film wasn't really that well watched by people. So it just shows there wasn't that much of an audience to begin with. And then you pivot that over to the talk about Ezra Miller and, and the Flash and um, you know, the marvelous beasts or fabulous beasts or whatever they're called. I've only seen the first one as well. I really don't like Harry Potter that much. Um, it's Pokemon I, Go the movie is what it was. Uh, sure i can i can buy it um <laughs> people now. will make noise online and they will turn up because the 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 online medium gives all these people voices and they can right. get very loud with each other and amplify and signal boost each other to the point where you think this is this massive movement yeah um but really all it is is about you know a couple hundred thousand people just hitting the old retweet button totally i mean i'll tell you what this may be controversial in this group the Zack snyder movies not that good I didn't oh, like yeah. it. No, I don't think I that's do controversial in this group. No, <laughs> uh, I'll stand up for the Watchmen. I'll stand up for the Watchmen. I really like oh, it. I like his, Watchmen. His, yeah, his pre-DCEU stuff is good. like Dawn of the Dead is a great movie. No, 300 yeah. is a great. That's movie. a great remake. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But then, like, what? once he did Man of Steel and started trying to set up this extended universe, yeah, it's like, did you forget how movies work? <laughs> did you forget how Superman works? Yeah. <laughs> what what film was supposed to come first, Bad Girl or The Flash? As far as release, uh, I don't know. Because the Flash I don't know, was supposed to come know. out like the Flash was supposed to come out like two years ago. Like the Flash was supposed a, to have been out. I don't know if this is like a, a crazy idea, but maybe they they were thinking a lot of people are banking on just seeing Michael Keaton return uh, as Batman, and maybe since he's in both. Maybe they were thinking, okay, we're going to cut this one out. So they, they might, okay, I hate Ezra Miller, but I want to see Michael Keat uh, and he's going to be in the flash. So maybe that's one reasoning. It's the ultimate poison pill. You can have your old man, Batman, but you got to, you got, you got to sit through Ezra Miller to sort of get there. What's it worth there? <laughs> oh, it's a shame. Uh, the, the, also a big part of the shame of it is just from a story perspective, not the real world implications. But is the idea that, you know, Ezra Miller's character in uh, what's what's the flashes? Is it Barry? What is it? Barry, Barry, Barry Allen. Allen. Barry Allen. Thank you. He's so likable in that character. You know what I mean? And, but what do you do when you can't <laughs> You look at He's it's, acting. It's the same he's issue. With, he's a hell of an actor. It's the same <laughs> issue with Will Smith where you go, he's so likable on screen. But what happens when I don't like the guy anymore? That's like right. 90% of the movie is the charm. Absolutely. It's like I, I go back and watch the Lethal Weapon movies with Mel Gibson. Yeah. What am I supposed to do now? Like, it's, on, Mel. When, when, when you go back in at time, I think it's like a bit, of a, it's a bit of a thing. But to watch a new one, you're like, oh, am I really? Mm, we're just not going to. Okay. Um, 
to answer the question about what was meant to come first, chicken or the egg, Batgirl or the Flash, um, they were both meant to come out in sort of late 2022 originally. Um, Flash has been moved to mid 2023 and there were reshoots done in mid 2022. So that only happened a couple of months ago. So they were still pumping money into the Flash a couple of months ago. And Ezra Miller was on everyone's minds before that point, I'll point out. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Interesting. I think they wanted to get rid of all the abduction and grooming aspects of the Flash character. Get rid of all that. <laughs> I, think where the sm- I think where there's smoke, there's <laughs> fire. When there's no smoke, there's no fire. And I don't see any smoke, so I don't think they're getting it. I think we're, I think we're getting it. Absolutely. I think they're getting, hoping something is else. A, is it getting a cinematic release, or is it just getting a HBO Absolutely, Max? it's getting a cinematic release. Yeah, if they release it, it's million. Be in theaters. I think it'll get released. Million. I think it'll get a very small marketing anything. I think you'll see some stills, and it's all going to be about Keaton, and they're going to let word of mouth do that side of it, and they'll do that viral side. And they'll go, yeah, challenge, you know, here it is. And I think the market will show us, and I think you can't go wrong by, you know, lowering the bar on what people are willing to do. Well, there's also the argument, except- and I mean, none of us are lawyers that I'm aware of. Um, nope. Good. Great. Objection. Sounds like it. Okay, overruled. Um, so, mistrial. Yeah, I declare bankruptcy. Um, <laughs> strenuously object. Um, oh, you like, strenuously object. But there's always um, in a lot of contracts that I've seen. There's been like morality clauses and things like that. Um, one thing they could potentially do is say, "Hey, we're going to release the film, but Ezra will get no more money from its its ticket sales." And all those t- all that money that would have gone to him would go to charity or, or something like that. And they could try that as sort of a fun little PR spin for them. Um, you never know. That's oh, just the, uh, the pessimist in me there. But maybe that's their move. They go, hey, he won't get any more money. We're blackballing him. But you get the film. You get to see Michael first. Keaton. I, uh, what? Yeah. The only way they can win this is you write him out. Not write him out of the movie, but write him out of the end of the movie. So find a way for him to... It's like a bus hit him or something. Yeah. Well, a new, <laughs> a new Barry Allen could appear from another multiverse. Sure. You could do that. Yeah. Just, cool. just superimpose Grant Gustin's face over him. Absolutely. How much They're could that CGI cost? You don't, CW. you don't even have to do it well. Get the CW guy to come and like, reshoot that's, the end of the film or something. That's Grant Gustin, yeah. Oh, sure. Sorry. I, I don't watch him. No, no. That's all right. Um, <laughs> yeah, that'll do. If, if I can pivot from one terrible sort of thing to another. Um, and it's not really, I don't want to get, I don't want to get caught up in the aftermath because this is the aftermath now, but I want to talk about Johnny Depp for a minute. And I don't really care about the trial. I don't really care about Amber Heard and Aquaman too, although apparently her part's on the cutting room floor. There is a renaissance, or at least if, if you, if, if you believe these groundswells of, of a popular opinion, which we talked about, there seems to be a desire and it seems to also suggest that Disney's interested in in making this happen for Johnny Depp to redon the the Captain Jack Sparrow Tortuga, let's get back to the good part Um, adornment, I guess for another Pirates of the Caribbean film is that actually something anybody wants to see? Look, I don't know how many stones you've gotten blood from (laughs) <laughs> but I think there's a good chance that we could get some blood from this one. I didn't think there was a market for Avatar. So what the hell do I know? 
Is it a thing where we're like, whether you feel like this is, it's become, it's become the barometer of vindication for Johnny Depp. If Johnny Depp can be, can be Captain Jack, then we've said everything right. Until you remember that the third, fourth, and fifth Pirates movies are really quite poor. Right. You know what I, I associate this Did to they is money? there has, there has been a movement in the last like couple of years or so where when we were young, we all remember how terribly poorly received critically, not so much financially, but critically the star Wars prequels were, mm-hmm. but you get into people that are now the age that we were when those movies come out and they have wonderfully fond memories of those movies. And so I think you're targeting bringing Jack Sparrow back at the same people who were like little kids and saw the pirates of the Caribbean movies and were just wowed by it. And they just have this wonderful nostalgia for that. So they're, they're aiming this. Let's bring him back at those people. I hear you, but like, it's not like the prequels, Johnny Depp's an old man. Jeffrey Rush was an old man when we started. You know, like, like what are you going to, you can't do all, it's not all of a sudden, oh, look, it's you and McGregor. Hey, Obi-Wan. You, you can't do that. I mean, the whole point is you want to see Johnny Depp, but Johnny Depp's getting old. Yeah, you put 80 pounds of makeup on him to make him look like Jack Sparrow again. Can you bring back Orlando Bloom and Kira Knightley? Are they available? Probably. Yeah, what are they doing? What Orlando, they Blo- mean, Orlando be- Bloom's not doing much. I mean, Kira Knightley's had pretty steady work, I think. Weren't they in one of the later ones? I've, I've only seen uh, the he three. was in five fully, and she had a cameo in five. Okay. So they left the door open. Okay. But the thing is that the, I, I'm seeing the box office of the series, and the fourth one is the second one that, that earned the most. So uh, <laughs> the, the first one is the one that made the less money. So And that's the best one. Yeah, so, it is, but I, I thought... Yeah, it's not unusual in the sense of. But they made money. That's that's my point. Oh, they made money, right. so the studio's going to keep pumping them out. Well, that's the thing. They were making money, and then they obviously decided that Johnny Depp wasn't the face they wanted for that anymore, for whatever reason. Um, insert you know obvious sort of claim here. Um, so at some point, there is a financial thing where they go, "We don't want to be associated with this because it will damage our brand." It seems now that Disney is back in the Johnny Depp business. Absolutely. I think public opinion pretty pretty heavily swayed back towards Johnny Depp. Yeah, exactly. Even even going before the trial, when things were starting to come out, everyone was kind of like, "Oh, we might have crucified this guy a bit too soon." So I think there's also a big movement of people who want to see him make a comeback because they feel like he was unjustly, you know, tossed out. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, Hollywood's run by. Uh, blood-sucking vampires so this, <laughs> if they made another one a sixth film with him at the helm i would be completely unsurprised i thought you say you would be in line ready to <laughs> oh yeah i'd be I, first in line <laughs> i'd be singing the michael bolton song lonely island all the way there yeah. uh, let's get back to the good part um tell you what else people were lining up ready to go see again and uh a bit of a straw poll anybody see top gun maverick absolutely Film Twice. of the, uh, uh, I'm gonna put it here. Unqualified film of the summer. Absolutely, mm, it's yeah. my number three on the year. I I'm definitely in a minority. I liked Bullet Train more as a summer movie, but barely. I that's mean, I only just great. That's only just come out over here. I don't know if it just uh, how long it's been in the states okay. for. I'm seeing yeah, we've only week. just got it. I saw it a couple of days ago. Okay. Does I mean, in this, like 
Maverick is like what films felt like they used to be, this big blockbustery at summertime. Go check this out. Then somehow there was a story that made sense within it. And I was like, this is the film. Uh, no hyperbole. This is the film that this, this cinema industry, the film industry needed to get people back into cinemas post-pandemic. It's like even your nan was talking about it. Like, oh, did you see the Top Gun film, Scott? <laughs> yeah, I did, nan. I actually did. Um, everyone it's was probably because she played the romantic lead in the first film. I mean, it's been that long. Oh, <laughs> oh. Leave Nana alone. <laughs> Nana, <laughs> I thought Nana was very convincing. I mean, she was great. Yeah. She was great. Um, she was done dirty in the second one, though. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I mean, Kelly McGill is sad. Um, no one wants to see an old lady. And Jennifer Connelly was great. Was great, great, great oh, in that film. Oh, I don't have a single bad thing to say about Maverick. I- no, no, did I? And I was, I'm, I'm very kind of lukewarm on the first Top Gun. I'm like, all the cool stuff happens oh, yeah. in the air, and the story is just this. You know when you, there is no story. You to know the when first people, you know when people used to watch Glee, and just, just pretend that people did used to watch because they did. Um, and there were those like these songs they would do, and they were all really, really good. And you sort of put up with the story to wait for the next song that would come on. Top Gun's the right. same thing. Just get back in the air and do more of those cool dog fights. But somehow Maverick like made like the stuff that happened on the ground actually mattered with the air and vice versa. It was like they weren't two separate films; they actually interconnected. It was. I went in thinking I was just going to go. Okay, I'll watch it because the pod. Da, 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 da. That thing was amazing. That thing's brilliant. The absolute film of the summer for me. It was yeah, great. Maverick, I'll tell you what. Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say real fast. Maverick is one of the biggest jumps in quality from a first movie to a second movie ever. <laughs> I'll tell you what. I didn't even have a problem with the fact that Tom Cruise is seventy five years old. In this movie. <laughs> you know, my one my one issue is I could have used a little more Kenny Loggins. I gotta have oh, more Loggins, baby. Yeah. Yeah, they they play Danger Zone like six times in the first Top Gun. I was like, yeah, come on. You got to play this a couple more times here. Yeah, you had playing with the boys during the pivotal volleyball scene. I mean, dynamite. (laughs) But uh, good times. Yeah, yeah, sorry, Carla. But yeah, it it was just a lot of fun. And it's been a long time since I've had. Like, I've sat through a lot of schlocky legacy sequel kind of things. Like, I went and saw yes. Ghostbusters Afterlife and went, okay, you're very ham-fistedly trying to make this work here. All right. And, yeah, I got a little bit of nostalgia at the parts I was supposed to get nostalgic at. But overall, it was a, like an hour and 50-minute movie where the first hour and 40 minutes were just, please stay awake. The good part's coming. And But then this was like directors and studios should be and 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 screenplay writers for these legacy sequels should be forced to study this as a way in which you actually pay homage to the original but in a way that feels organic and not just you know schlocky i mean the i was big on the force awakens i thought it did a lot of the same things uh personally i really really liked the force awakens and they went a different direction like I, you know if ethan was here he'd defend the, the piece of crap that is the last jedi and uh, that's his pr- that's his prerogative, I suppose. But at least they made a choice. But so many legacy sequels don't make choices, and they just say just 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 play the hits. And like, I mean, even I saw Train Spotting two a couple years ago, and it was just remember how good Train Spotting one was. And I'm like, yeah, I'd much rather be be, be watching that film. I don't. You just tell me how good the film was. Go go somewhere. But that's just uh, it for me as far as that went. I don't know what what else have people been seeing this summer if it's been uh, noteworthy. Well, speaking saw, of, uh, oh, go ahead. 
Well, just speaking of nostalgia, I suppose, and uh, let's make it on brand for me for a second. In the UK, at least, unfortunately not in North America, they've been re-releasing all the Bond films in a row. So I've been enjoying once a week going to watch pretty much a Bond film more or less every week without fail for the last... uh, At time of recording, uh, Tomorrow Never Dies is about to come out again, and I'm uh, very hyped to watch that once again. Where are they they doing this? It view our audience in a world. Uh, Check those listings. I, I live in a very small area. So it's, You'd be surprised. It's, it's literally every single one is, is oh, really? okay. it somehow. Check it out. I'll yeah, try you, that. I mean, you're, you're late on the train, but you can still miss another day. I've missed Goldeneye. Dang it. <laughs> hey, you got Casino Royale coming up. Yeah, I got Casino Royale. I got Skyfall. All right. Yeah, fair enough. Um, or yeah, I can see some windsurfing. I could I, 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 I be doing some of that. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. That's what you need. The invisible car. Yeah, you got to have that. Where's sword fighting Madonna? I need some sword fighting Madonna <laughs> in my life. <laughs> uh, one of the worst Bond themes ever. Um, well, that's cool. And I think there is this thing. I, I think there's this thing where it feels like the distribution window between when films are out of cinemas and up on streaming is almost seamless. That there isn't one. Yeah, I will yeah, say that right. the only hangover from the pandemic era seems to be films do seem to be in cinemas a lot longer though. Like uh, Jurassic park, whatever is still like earlier this week, I went looking to see if it was still, it's still playing. And I'm like, I'm really, it would have been pushed out. So I think that the flow of movies coming in still isn't at that level. Cause I think everyone's still holding their cards close to their vest. Cause they're trying to figure out the big question is the pandemic era of cinema finances over. Are we back to proper? Are, are we, are, are we recalibrated back to a normal cinema environment? Top Gun would make you think yes. It would make you think yes. Like Spider-Man. Spider-Man was a big hit, but we knew it was an outlier. We knew Spider-Man was jam-packed and nothing else was getting people to watch it. I'll tell you what, the last couple of, the last month or two, it's felt a bit more normal when I've been going to the cinema myself. It felt that way for me too. I mean, I, I, I saw Mrs. Harris goes to Paris. I saw Where the Crawdad Sings. How was that? I, w- I almost went and saw that. No, no crawdads, no singing, <laughs> but there is a surprisingly fresh smelling and clean looking swamp woman. Okay. It, so. <laughs> I, I enjoyed it. Okay. I think it's just dependent on the movie because even, you know, several months ago at this point, when I saw Shang-Chi, it was packed. When I saw Eternals, it was packed. But then surprisingly, like when I saw Multiverse of Madness and Love and Thunder, which both came much later, not so much like half a theater each. And I mean, I'm seeing movies, you know, the opening weekend, the Friday, Saturday, they come out. I was surprised Love and Thunder and Multiverse of Madness weren't nearly as packed. Like there were lines around the theater for the concession stand when I went to see Shang-Chi, which was like last summer. Yeah. Mm. Do you think people are getting burned out? Like the quality of the MCU is kind of dipping a little bit and people are just kind of like you know what and, and especially with the Dis- the disney plus shows it's just non-stop mcu all the time i'm sure that's a thing like my bread and butter is the mcu i'm a comic book fan from my childhood just imagining that all of this is an actual reality that i get to watch is just befuddling to me like i will watch every mcu movie that comes out from now until i die that's just gonna be a thing that happens 
So, but I'm sure for like a lot of the people that are just in it for the blockbuster aspect and yeah, they're probably tired of it. They do feel that thing where it's like, I don't want to watch all of these television shows to know what's happening in a movie. Like I like the TV shows, but I think they're a problem because you're just introducing like watching a two hour movie is one thing. Watching six one hour episodes of Loki to know what's going to happen in the next Ant-Man movie is asking a bit much for people. Also, there's no fan driven speculation in, in the outside thing. So what I mean is when I go see Top Gun Maverick, I don't have any film theory about what I think is going to happen in this film. Tom Cruise is an old man. Looks like Goose's kids there. What my, I'm not watching like 15 things that have to happen in Top Gun Maverick. We break down the trailer. But yet, if you go to Multiverse of Madness and you're like, okay, because I saw Loki, I saw He Who Remains. And because of that, I'm expecting one of these things to happen. And they go, and then, you know, you know, screen ramp presents things you should you should expect to see or what we're looking for. What are our pitches? And you show up and none of those things happen and you go, Well, that's a bit crap. Same like Game of Thrones last season, like anything where you where where things hit that level where you're in the main discourse on like in that YouTube space. And so I think Marvel is perpetually there. And so not only do you have to keep up with everything, but you also have to speculate about everything. If they don't pay off in the way that you want to, then, you know, things go. Now, they've also had some tremendous disasters, you know, like uh, WandaVision. Oh, what was that woman's name who joined them? Um, 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 Agatha? No, the, the, the other one, the, 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 the neighbor. They, they had the cool fight in the, in, in, in the yeah. living room. Yeah, Agatha. Agatha. Not, um, Ag- not, 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 not Agatha. Hunt? Not Catherine Hahn. See, yeah. oh, Monica Rambo. Thank you, Monica Rambo. Thank you. Oh, okay. whoa, whoa, whoa. Who the heck's yeah. waiting over the hill for, for with, with with Monica Rambo? You said someone's over the hill. Who's over the hill? You still haven't told me who was over the hill yet. And it, but it's these these notions of everything gets so micro analyzed. You can't just sit down and go, "I'm going to enjoy a movie," because now we're all equal parts. Because when someone asks you, "What do you think about it?" We're all podcasters, so we're we're guilty of this on on an infinite level. But as a society, we're we're all creators of content, whether it's just a Facebook post that said, went and saw this, it sucked, let me tell you why, blah, blah, blah. Or if you or if you go to the extent that we, that we do here. But I, I think the problem is that the the, the 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 Marvel thing is choking out so many of the other options uh, out of cinemas that we it's just only one conversation you're allowed to access because dc sure as heck ain't giving us a second choice anyway and even if they were that's just more comic book stuff like it's great to go hey it's a guy and he flies a plane that's about the long and short of it there's no other superhero back lore who's this character from this other movie it's a guy who flies a plane and he's up against guys who we're not supposed to call them russians we're pretty sure they want us to think they're russians but we're not going to call them russians yes <sighs> sorry i have a couple thoughts on everything you said first of all with the, no, 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 with the the mcu thing i'm looking at it as again it all comes back to me that i grew up reading comic books and when i started reading comic books it was 1989 1990 like i didn't just get to walk in and have somebody come up to me and say like here hey kid here's the first issue of spider-man get going like i jumped in and the first comic book i bought was detective comics number 602 which wasn't even part one of its own story it was like part two of a three-part story arc it was just like jump in 
figure out what you need to figure out. I think this whole, like, you need to watch everything to enjoy a Marvel movie. I think that's a bit heavy handed. Like just go in and enjoy what you want to enjoy. Like, are there things that you might not know about? And you'll have to ask your friend about after the movie, probably, but I don't think that's going to kill watching the movie for you for just the enjoyment. May I very quickly give a one, a a five second rebuttal. Yes. Okay. (laughs) Wanda Maximoff at the end of infinity war, Wanda Maximoff at the start of a multiverse of madness. I can't explain that character jump unless I pay and have caught up. Not if I paid, if I gave the time to watch what happened in WandaVision and process that. There's my rebuttal to that would be, and this is something I didn't have in the 80s and 90s reading comic books. My rebuttal to that would be Wikipedia. Just read what do happened. Do I have to go to Wiki? Do I, do I have to do pre-research in order? So, okay, so I'm not watching this, but I have to do more like, like I'm going to go, well, you know, I'm catching up on all the pre-stuff, and I'm trying to avoid spoilers at the same time. Yeah, good luck. Good luck. I, I would argue it still doesn't justify the, the uh, shift from the end of uh, Endgame oh, yeah. to the beginning of Multiverse of Madness. Yeah, from the it's end of WandaVision to the beginning of Multiverse of Madness, there's still a jump that you don't quite no. get. I mean, something that, that you do, um, Scott, with, with Spy Hards and you deal with is sort of a continuing lore in the whole, we, we were talking about it, the, the James Bond sort of character and that universe. But sort of the James Bond thing, which, which, which is very formulaic, but we, James Bond has a very easy entry point to anybody i feel you go into a bond movie it kind of walks you through the baby steps of here's who bond is here's oh wow he does this really really cool thing yeah here's some highly stylized graphics now we'll take you into today's mission you can kind of infer all that you need to do it's kind of like the most big budget police procedural you'll ever find and i think the accessibility i never walked into a bond movie and went i don't understand this because wait who's this who's this money penny what's going what why is he flirting no you, you just figure it out don't you but I think that's an example of a franchise that kind of realizes these are tentpole, almost independent on their own. There's very little crossover, at least in the time that I've been watching Bond. There's very little sort of elements that cross over from one Bond film to the next. They're almost kind of hard resets with the, with the exception of maybe the last couple um, where it was kind of a two-parter, wasn't it? Um, um, is it Spectre? Was Spectre the... the, the uh the second last Spectre. one we've had before, no, no time to die, and then no time to die. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I mean, yeah. that kind of felt like a two-parter, but even that a disjointed two-parter, but a, but a two-parter nonetheless. I mean, firstly, I'll take us back to James Bond entry point. I'll leave that there. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> that was a grenade. Say no more. Um, that's that's kind of what she said. But moving on swiftly because we're all uh, adults here. Um, there's been a decree in the sort of cubby broccoli harry saltzman offices back in the day to all the way to now um with the production to to lower the amount of continuity to make it accessible for people and one of the things that people throw against the daniel craig era in terms of criticism is there is an interconnective tissue between all the films you know that they're they're referencing vespa in no time to die and she died of course in casino royale spoilers now a lot of people don't like that and just like the fact that Roger Moore turns up and for some reason he's in India. And for some reason there's a Fabergé egg. We don't know why and no one really knows why. And then at the end he's, he's having sex with someone. That's a Bond film to most people. <laughs> Absolutely. 
and 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 I think there is there is definitely a call for that. That that's very much the Top Gun Maverick style, where it's just like, hey, here's a story. Okay, bye. <laughs> and that's great. And I I think that's fine. But people people like to be part of something. I don't personally. I've stopped watching all the Marvel TV shows. I just don't care. But I'm not a comic book guy. Um, I watch the films. That's about it. But I. I feel like people want to be part of something. So they, they watch these, you know, 10 things you didn't see in the latest trailer of blah. And they want to like, they tell their friend like, Hey, did you know that? Like that, that could be this person turning up next week and oh, and they'll get excited about it and then tweet each other online. And that's great because they feel that they're part of a movement. And the problem is, is that freezes a lot of people out. And these TV shows do exactly the same thing. I, like you said, I completely agree. I don't want to have to watch WandaVision to understand what's going on in Multiverse of Madness. Now, I did watch WandaVision. I think it was great. But I never watched yep. Hawkeye, for instance. And so okay. I'm not going to watch Echo because that's where Echo comes from. Right. Oh, man. Hawkeye was so underwhelming. Oh, no. Oh, I, I loved it. Hawkeye. I loved it. Wildly. You inactive. loved Hawkeye? Hawkeye's my favorite MCU TV show. Yeah. Yeah, it's the same. Oh, my word. All right. Maybe maybe we got it wrong, man. We were all kind of me- mediocre. And WandaVision for me. I think Hawkeye is the one that when I've seen people rank the MCU movies, it's never in the middle. People either have it near the bottom or near the top. And for yeah. me, it was near the top. Well, mm-hmm. it's do you hate Jeremy Renner? If you hate him, which a lot of people do, then that kind of pushes it down. Uh, but I thought this kind uh, of I've got the redeemed app. him. No, I like Jeremy Renner. I just think, is he a lead? Is, is, is the question i can it's like right. paul rudd I, I i hate the, i love paul rudd love paul rudd hate the ant-man films love ant-man when he's hanging out and bouncing off other avengers because ant-man's not a lead i was was how good Haley steinfeld was i was watching right. it for her her performance was great she was great she was great yeah. the problem with jeremy renner is he's not robert downey jr you know what i mean he's not charming in that way so he's you know, he's a good actor, obviously, but it's just, it kind of misses that je ne sais quoi, if you will. Ooh, fancy podcast now. That's how yeah. I do. Yeah, this, we just celebrated this. And I want to go back to uh, to Daniel Craig's uh, movies. They did have a thing where it was like um, Blofeld, you know, mm-hmm. is the actor, is, we have to call him oh. Franz Oberhauser so there's not the spoiler this was this is secretly blow it was uh, do you remember star trek in the darkness where they went he's not con he's not con he's not con are you con i'm not con when i'm con okay great (laughs) (laughs) it was the same thing right i'm not blow sure you're not it's it i mean you're you're triggering me triggering me a little bit there with star trek into darkness because i remember just like I remember sitting in that audience. I went to the premiere in London of Star Trek really? Darkness. I went to the premiere. Um, I, I won a competition, so I actually got to walk on the red carpet. That was a fun day out. But I remember watching the film and thinking, and he, at one point, you know, Benedict Cumberbatch turns to, the Khan, turns, to, turns to the Khan, turns to the screen and goes, I am Khan. And I just thought to myself, that's going to click for me because I've watched Wrath of Khan 50 times. Yeah. But my mum has no effing idea what that line means. So, like, everyone's looking down. Like, I've, could they could they turn the camera to, like, Kirk and Spock going, who? Yeah. And who, who the F are you, mate? I've never seen Wrath of Khan, but I, I knew Khan was, was, was a... I know. I know. <laughs> you just what killed Kevin. I saw well, I'm out. See you later, everyone. I saw, <laughs> I saw Star Trek, the original motion picture, and went, why would you watch a second one? 
That's well, your first mistake. You, you talk about Top Gun to Top Gun Maverick. Doesn't yeah, yeah, yeah. Pe- pe- I know people the, say yeah. Khan is amazing. And then is three of a search for Spock? Yes. Oh, my word. I've seen that. I feel like I've seen. I don't know why. I've seen that a bunch of times. Yeah, don't watch the odd ones. number ones. That, 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 like, God one who came out. He's like, yeah, you know. And William Shatner going, why does God hurt people? I did that way better than Shatner did. <laughs> uh, I see I'm four. With you. Uh, I haven't seen any Star Trek, so I'm with you, Ian. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> I'm, I'm Can the world pain. keep spinning? This is just now, painful. The, the original Star Trek, the motion picture, it's like they took all the boring parts of 2001. Mm. That's what they did. Ready mm. for this? Never, never seen 2001. Oh, I, 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 I say, I say I, all the time I, that I got Carlos got more credibility than I do. I just, I just, I just wrap I, it up I'm in a game show host voice. That's that's an amazing film. So. <laughs> I'm actually with the in on this one. I think I got half an hour into 2001 when I was a teenager and was like, I'm turning this off. I didn't turn it off. I just never. I just haven't got around to it yet. It's it's a it's an interesting film to watch. I, I don't think it's an easy sit. And I've seen oh, it on the no. big screen. It's not an easy sit. My only Kubrick to this point is Clockwork Orange, and I oh, saw that once, and that was that that was it for. I mean, that's not an easy sit either. So, yeah. not that I think everything's going to be like. Oh, that's not true. I've seen Eyes Wide Shut. Yeah, also Eyes not wide a, shut, yeah. shining, also not an easy watch. Nope. Hmm, what wow. is happening? I know, right? <laughs> Full metal jacket. We got. We, we, the good news best. is we we got we got lots of films to put on the pod because these are all yeah. really highly regarded. The best so. film ever. There you go. You got. You just listed three. Oh, I could yeah. talk about. I, yeah. I I love the fact that film is as far as what we do, uh, but I imagine what all of us do. But yeah, you know, when when I first pitched it, I think uh, I don't know which one it might have been Liam when it feels like it might be kind of restrictive, and I went, trust me, it, it's it's going to be a never ending stream of films that are available to us it really is and there, there's still all these great ones uh, during the pandemic i bought just a bunch of physical dvds i don't know why but i bought a bunch of physical dvds thinking but you know things like 12 angry men never seen it really really want to see it oh, um you know i've knocked that down some of the big classics in the last year casablanca citizen kane um oh or something else but, the, but the, the, these big ones that you know, I haven't seen Last of the Mohicans. Like, I haven't seen Schindler's List. That's still on my list. You know what I mean? Uh, Schindler's List is what I'm avoiding because I'm like, that's going like, to be a hard That's going to be a hard it's, it's watch. It's like a one and done, I think. Yeah. Like, yeah. like yeah. I saw The Pianist with, with Liam um, very, early, very early on when, we were, when I first bought him the poster where the whole pod sort of streams out of. And we know at some point we have to go back and we actually have to rewatch it to do it. And we're sitting there going, oh. Like, it's, it's a great film. But yeah. geez, that's that's gonna be a hard. I mean, easier now that I know where it kind of goes. But that's a really hard first watch and difficult to say. Yeah, sign me up to do that again. Or I could do this thing where things blow up. Or I could do this thing that's a comedy. Let's go there instead. Yeah, I'll do Devil Wears Prada. Why not? Let's do that. So, I've had Schindler's List, you know, on the list to watch for a while, and it's it's the same thing. It's like I know it's gonna be a great movie, but. How sad do I feel like being? Oh, like I went to Auschwitz. Um, oh, geez. I was just on holiday. I didn't just go to Auschwitz. <laughs> I went to I went to Krakow in Poland, and uh, Auschwitz just happens to be kind of within within day trip de- destiny. And so um, we we went for a like, like a half day trip out there, and it's 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 a like it's not it's not a place you go back to, you know what I mean? Like, and there's a heaviness you carry with you. And I, and thankfully we came back and then we had lunch and lunch helped, helped us sort of process and sort of shift gears for the rest of the day. But just, you know, the thought of watching that, I'm like, all right, it'll, it's going to be, it's going to be a really hard watch. 
and then to talk about it for 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 you know it's us geez three and a half hours or whatever it would be um that's gonna be that's a big one but 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 we realize that we need to see it but it's just at what point do you it's really hard to sit down it's interesting as a bunch of podcasters to go i'm gonna sit down and, and thoroughly bum myself out right now right yeah or yeah. i could go and it's do a, this other thing film. yeah so it's a great film, but yeah, I mean, I, I've seen it several times, but I, you have to space them out <laughs> because it, it's a downer. I think Liam always comes back to when he does his verdict, and I, I try to respectfully challenge, and he goes, because when we do our ratings, he goes, well, would I watch it as often as I'd watch this? I'm like, well, careful with the rewatchability thing. Rewatchability isn't the only sign of a great film, because The yeah. Pianist, I think, is a great film. I, if, if I see it once more in my life, I'm good with that. You know what I mean? Like that, it's, it's a journey it takes me on. I don't want to go back to that journey, but man, it's a powerful journey. That's a great film, as opposed to easy peasy popcorn movie, which is just like you know you put it on the background, you're like, and it, it hits that that feeling of nostalgia, or it hits that whatever it is that 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 need that you get out of it. it it's it, it's different. So uh, yeah, uh, yeah, I can't jumping jumping back to the comic books, which is what everything always goes back to for me. There's a comic book called Mouse. I don't. Know oh, I, we teach Mouse, buddy. Yeah. Oh shit! Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've read that two or three times in my life and it's always several years in between reading miles because it's just like it's hard all right it's amazing it's one of the best things not comics one of the best things ever written but it's just like all right i'm i'm gonna read miles again to appreciate it but i'm not gonna enjoy it for those who don't know i believe miles is the telling of the holocaust using mice as stand-ins for the for the jewish community is that right yes and yeah, every different community is represented by something. The Germans are cats. The yeah. English are bulldogs. I think the Polish are pigs. Yeah, it's all animal fable to a degree, yeah. except it's not like they're acting like mice or cats. They're just drawn. They're just a visual representation. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, there's, it's there's other ones too, like, you know, Threads from the 80s, the British film about sort of the post-war, like if the bomb did fall and what would happen in the UK. And that is... I've seen you could maybe watch it once. It's 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 a rough sit. It's hard. It really is. Um, yeah. Come and see the Russian film. I saw that yeah. at the Prince Charles Cinema that here. One. Yeah, yeah, that's that's hard. That's hard yeah. to get through. But I think it's an important watch. But this is coming from people who who watch films and study yeah. films. Yeah. Uh, I, I wouldn't necessarily recommend my mum watches it. No, one one that's for me like that is Wrecking for a Dream from Aronofsky. Yeah, uh, I I saw it once and, and I've been meaning to rewatch it, but it's a hard. Aronofsky's one. hard, man. Like even Black yeah. Swan, Black Swan's intense. Yeah. I, I, I think it's brilliant. Yeah. I think it's brilliant. Yeah. But I just haven't brought myself to go. Watch. I think I've seen it twice, but I just haven't brought myself to go any further beyond that. And but the one I know within the pod that's caused the most conversation is we know at some point we have to do Clockwork Orange, and I'm like, mm. that's a hard one. I don't think like I don't think George will get through it. No, I'm not even sure Liam will get through it. Uh, Ethan will get through it. I'll get through it. Um, and then what Maybe does that Liam mean? More than Georgia, but Georgia, I doubt. Lee, Liam surprisingly like yeah, he is a bar. Yeah, it's 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 a lot lower than I first like the, when when he almost turned off the pianist. I was like wow, and then I almost turned off the pianist like about 20 minutes later because <laughs> I'm like, what else wrong can happen? Oh, it was it was it was horror. As, not as in like genre, but horror is in just like, you know, atrocity without right. rationale or causation. You couldn't link why this was, which is perfect. So it puts you in the same perspective as everybody else. But man, that's a hard watch. 
Now, it's, it pivots, and then it turns into, into a survival film halfway through, and that's a really easy watch. The second half of The Pianist is actually quite quite entertaining because it's a totally different film. But yeah. Um, let's talk about something maybe a little bit less, I hope a whole lot less. Anybody get around to seeing um, Baz Luhrmann's latest and greatest, Elvis? Mm-hmm. I saw it. Yeah. It's I was happy right. to see a little Star Trek reference at the uh, at the start. That that got a little pop from me, I have to say. Uh, <laughs> I've I've been to the Star Trek uh, experience that it was referencing at that very hotel, so that was quite nice. Oh, to see is, it brought is, to life. Is this when he looks out across the way and he sees the hotel and it's and sees like the Enterprise flies off at the screen and stuff? Yeah. That's oh, okay. From- that that what used to be called the Hilton Hotel and it had the Star Trek experience in it where you go in and basically be on the set of Star Trek. Oh, okay. It was a great time, closed in 2009. So the, the film opened with that. I'm like, Baz, you've got me. You've got me. Ah, how It was good. Did he get I you? Is it, it. is it a hit? Is it a miss? Which, what, what do you think? It's I think hit. it's a hit. I think you have to, you have to appreciate Elvis' music, obviously. Oh, because I general. don't. I don't, but I really like the film. So that's, I'm kind of interesting. Yeah. Okay. I went in there. Liam and I talk about a great length. He went in loving Elvis. We didn't see it together, but, but he, he loves Elvis. I'm very much anti Elvis. Actually. I haven't. Yeah. Really quickly. I'll I'll retread a couple things. Um, I think it becomes from two factors. The first being, um, I remember I always associated Elvis more with, and, and maybe Scott can tell me I'm completely a loon on this one. I moved from England to Canada when I was like 10. So Elvis feels very American to me and that side of it. Whereas my musical cultural legacy, the first songs, the old classic songs I would have come across were, were like Beatles tracks. So it was that right. and beyond. So the Beatles and Beatles who wrote their own songs and played their own instruments and had a sound that was different. And then Elvis became, so Elvis was the guy who, when you were watching whatever movie of the week on Saturday nights and they went to commercial and it'd be like, you can own the 45 greatest hits of Elvis on three CDs <laughs> for 2395. And they do like all the song titles and the one that the video would be singing would be in gold but the rest would be in silver and so you sort of saw and generally they lean towards probably because it was like cheaper to get like old fat elvis sort of era sort of stuff and so he just became this warbler and then the second part would be the part of canada i'm from uh for a long time housed the second biggest elvis convention in the world Collingwood, Ontario, Canada. And so it always was on my birthday weekend, and I was putting myself through uni working at, uh, at a Tim Hortons. And so all of these Elvises would just come through, and it was like, it was just, it was like overkill of Elvis everywhere. And I'm sitting there going, Oh, I put myself through school at a slightly later age too. So I'm like, I'm working this minimum wage job, like schlepping coffees and, and putting up people's crap. And it's my birthday and I'm having to go, I'm having to pitch this Elvis themed cookie we have. So I've got all sorts of like biases against Elvis to begin with. So, so, yeah. I, so I take that in, into the film because I am, you know, it was very interesting. The, 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 it hit all the right notes. It's, it's Baz Luhrmann, which is, which is right. a generally a, a watch for me. Uh, and even though I'm not really that visual, and he obviously is, um, and then you know you get Tom Hanks as Colonel Tom, and I go, oh, that's interesting. Right. And so that was my that was my starting point. Now I, I thought it was really good, despite the fact that I don't think I had a great amount of cultural knowledge about Elvis, nor did I have appreciation for Elvis. Right. I also wasn't an Elvis fan and still liked it. I, I actually had a, a different response in terms of my other half is a big Elvis fan and she Might went well. to go and see it and found it harder to watch because she knew what 
they were trying to recreate. So it felt that that wasn't as as good as it could have been. Whereas I think well, I, for me, it was like, hey, this is this is Elvis. I I buy it. Sounds great to me. Good story. Good plot. Good acting. Um, Tom Hanks was fantastic in it. Yeah, I, I was sold. But she, yeah. I think she was a bit more hypercritical of it because she knew where it was the source material. The peeps over at What Austin Culture Butler. called. Sorry, the peeps over at What Culture called Colonel Tom the worst performance of Tom Hanks's career. I'm like, you guys want crack? Have you seen the Lady Killers? Have you? Have you seen the man with one red shoe? I haven't seen that. That's junk. Mazes and monsters. <laughs> so sorry to jump you know, in. I just wanted to say that. It's all good. Austin Butler, I thought was great, who played Elvis. Yeah, there's, there's one line that now I say all over the house just to annoy my, my family. It has everything to do with us. I say it all the time <laughs> because it was something about the commercial. It's like his voice sounded so strange. And now I just love it. I just, I say it to people on the street. No one knows what I'm talking about. I thought it was fine. It was a fine movie. I, I didn't love it. I just checked on Letterboxd. And I've seen like 36 movies this year. Oh, the screen went away. It's in like the early 20s for me. Like, yeah, it's 22 out of 37 for me on wow. the year. Like, it was it was all right. Yeah. What bothers me about these documentaries is there'll be one scene in the movie that I'm like, oh, shit, that was really interesting. And then I find out, like, oh, yeah, that never happened. Like, the scene where he calls out Colonel Parker while he's performing, and he's like, oh, my manager's a liar, and he took all my money. And it's like, oh, yeah, that never actually happened. It's like, well, shit, that was the best part of the movie. <laughs> I want to know about the TV special and the great fake out where they turn the camera around. He's written the protest song. Obviously, he sang that song on the special. We've seen that. But you can't swing the camera around because they'd be swinging the camera around at the area facing. The logistics don't work of filming that. You can't because theoretically, if we're in the control room looking down on the Christmas scene, then when they turn the camera around, it should be facing at me. And all the light should be blinding me, and I shouldn't be able to see what they're doing. I'd be going, what's he singing to? What's going on? But instead, we see him with the Elvis. And the, I know why I do it. It's, it's a movie, but uh, yeah, I mean, but that's just that's just that's just a little bit of movie magic. I, I, I can forgive that. Right. It's Baz Luhrmann. It's not a documentarian, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. He, and I'll tell you what, the first thirty minutes are very Baz Luhrmann. It's it's a it's an over it's an assault on the senses. Oh, yeah. I remember sitting. That was the the phrase I used in my head was like, this movie is visually cacophonous. Yeah. I remember I watched I watched Moulin Rouge for the first time to prepare for Elvis. I had never seen it. Uh, it just wasn't my thing when it came out. And I remember I just didn't like it. It was too oh. much of just an assault on my sense. I love I Moulin like, Rouge. I, I, I love it. So much yeah. going on singing. Ah, I just maybe <laughs> maybe I wasn't in the mood. I don't know. Uh, that could have been it, too. But for me, it just the, a sensory overload. So going into Elvis, I was so reticent, I was so hesitant, I was scared that I was going to hate this film that people were enjoying. And then I went in, I was like, oh, this actually wasn't as Baz Luhrmann-y as it turns out it could have been. Because I didn't like Romeo and Juliet either. I didn't like Romeo and Juliet. I didn't like Romeo and Juliet on my first watch of it. No, I, I'm an English teacher, so I teach it all the time. So I think I've, I've, I've come to discover the magic. And it really is. It really is. But uh, it was a long process getting there. Um... It's interesting we talk about directors being Baz Luhrmann being as Baz Luhrmanniest. Can we talk briefly about Thor: Love and Thunder and how Taika Waititi like over Taika Waititi the first third of that movie to the point where I was yeah. going, this movie kind of sucks. 
yeah, and then they discovered a, the first third sucks. The second two bits, that, it's, it's, that's all right. But I it was picks going up heavily in the back half. I, I remember like the oh. first half of that movie sitting there going like, is this a bad movie? Yeah. Am I sitting through a bad movie? And then it, it picks up and I did end up feeling relatively positive about it. But and I love what YTD said where he's like, there's a director's cut to this movie. It's four hours long. No one on Earth should ever watch it because it's terrible. I was sitting here going like, is this, well, A, is this like up there with like Thor of a Dark World? Like, this is a bad movie. And secondly, does Taika Waititi need people to rein him in? So the sense going like Thor Ragnarok, big hit. So just do everything but do more of it. Like the, the ridiculous hand. And you can tell that he and Hemsworth have the same sense of humor. So neither of them are going to keep each other in check. So it's like when you were your friends and you're laughing and like they're and you're laughing at their jokes and you're they're laughing at yours and you're making each other pop. But someone on the outside's going that podcast is a big. You ever listen to a podcast where they're all laughing and you're like, "What do you laugh? Like none of this is funny." And it's like you should be bringing me into the joke, but it feels like you're keeping me on the outside. Podcasting one hundred and one, kids, bring the audience in. You know what I mean? It felt like that. Like it was like Hemsworth and Waititi were having their own bro fest about stuff they thought was cute and funny. And I'm like, all you're doing is irritating me. And then somewhere underneath it all, they actually had like a story of like probably the biggest sort of emotional story that maybe Marvel's dared to tell. Because uh, I remember we just reviewed Ragnarok because uh, uh, of Love and Thunder coming out. We, we reviewed it right that week. And I went, you could have gone to this really interesting place here. And they choose not to do this. And that's a really big, like, emotional human story. And it was one of my main criticisms was, you know, it's where I talk about Ragnarok and going, it's pizza. You know what I mean? Like Marvel's pizza. And people like pizza. I like pizza. I don't want pizza every day, but it's pizza. Pepperoni pizza is good. You know what I mean? And then they did this movie, and I'm going, get rid of the, the, the starter, which sucks. But I'm like, there's some actual substance and real stakes in this in this film, which I wasn't expecting from a Marvel film. So I applaud YTD for, in the second half for going that direction. In the first half, like, dear God, get yourself someone, get yourself a non-yes man who you trust who will call you out when you are going too far. See, I would say I can't imagine he had much constraint when he was doing Hunt for the Wilder People or What We Do in the Shadows. And those are far better than Love and Thunder. You know who he is? I brought this up on one of review. Taika Waititi is Katie from Mean Girls. I'm going to bring this together, okay? So he shows up, and he's like this quirky new independent director. And you're like, oh, wow. He's got this like effortlessly cool thing about him. And then here comes the plastics, Disney. They come walking through and he's like, I'm going to take him down from the inside. And all of his indie people are like, yeah, you do that. And then we'll expose him and we'll be the best. He goes, yeah. And then he makes Ragnarok. And all of a sudden it's like, oh, what, what's, what's that, Katie? You're starting to wear a little more eyeshadow and you're starting to dress a little bit like the plastics. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, you've turned into one of the plastics. You're just as bad as they are. And that's Taika Waititi. He has gone corporate. To the nines. I mean. I will just say, I thought Thorn Ragnarok was great. I thought it was hilarious. Hilarious. And my biggest complaint about comedies is when I don't find them funny. You know what I mean? And I felt that was kind of a big issue with Thor uh, Love and Thunder, where it was just the, the comedy aspects just were kind of devoid of that humor that I appreciated in, in Ragnarok. I think it's because, here's the deal, in Ragnarok... The humor in Ragnarok works primarily because Thor has, Hemsworth has a straight man to play off of. Usually Loki, right? Yeah. 
you've got that 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 clash so loki's very dry and very whatever and then and then thor's that infectious guy and then it's like in this especially in the first half when you had star lord there it's like wow it's a mirror now what happens if you put a magnet with the same poles together right what's going to happen there oh they they push it away because it's just like they're doing the same quips back and forth and it's not like you know, even the stuff, if you think about Endgame, you know, some of the best stuff you had with Thor is when he's looking at Captain America, a very straight sort of character, and going, oh, you're helping my beard, and it's a bit charming between the two of them because they're different. But you put him against all these characters who are just the same as him, and what that means is, like, who's the joke landing on? And so it just comes across as awkward. They needed to learn the lesson of The Office. The Office was great for four seasons. And then they were like, oh, people think this show's funny. And they turned every character into a caricature. Every character had to have jokes and be silly. And it, The Office turned into shit. Oh, I love That's The Office. The later seasons? Oh, I love it all. Oh, no. I thought after season four, it just falls off a cliff for me. No. Oh. There we go. It's like, oh, look, Stanley's wacky now, and Meredith's wacky now, and Phyllis is wacky now, and they weren't for the first four seasons. I'm going to quote a very wise man, Kevin, who said, I watch comedies because I want to (laughs) laugh. And I laughed a lot at those crazy hijinks because, you know, what are offices if not people who become caricatures of themselves anyway? We assign someone as being the funny one, the flirty one, but this one, and they play up to it. Also, just to be the logical voice of reason, if you're in the writer's room trying to figure out stories and you've done four seasons of 22 to 24 episodes of the same characters being funny, you want to give jokes to other people and other actors because you can't keep writing Jim looks at Pam, raises eyebrow. <laughs> well, and a lot of those other, a lot of those other actors are the writers. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They're like, hey, give me some jokes, baby. I wrote this one for myself. Yeah, absolutely. Um. I don't know. I mean, just really quickly in passing. We've, we've, we've gone for a good hour and 12. Um, anyway, want to talk about Multiverse of Madness? We, we touched on it briefly. I liked it. I, I gave it a four out of five. It's, it's Wow. Really? I, yeah, it's still in. I think it's like my number five movie on the year this year. I what? like Multiverse of Madness. I thought it was, was not as good, obviously, as, as Spider-Man, but I thought it was oh, better yeah. than any of the other movies that have come out in this phase, if you will, frankly. Wait, well, it, I, will, I will disagree with that. Boom. Multiverse of Madness better than Shang-Chi? Yeah. Oh. I, okay, okay. I, I, will say, I, I think they're kind of comparable, honestly. Oh, I don't. I think, I think Shang-Chi is like God tier for the MCU. Multiverse of Madness. Oh, really? Like, this is you, Multiverse of Madness what? is like, I like Shang-Chi oh, yeah, Shang- was doing so well until like the back nine where it just yeah. became this sort of CG mess yeah. and everyone lost their motivations. It, it, like the, the core story is great in Shang-Chi and then it just I, it lost its way, which I, yeah, I found bizarre. It's... It didn't stick the landing for me. Oh, I loved it so much. I think the third act was the weakest part of the movie, but I loved the first act, two acts so much that I just didn't care. I was just like, I'm all the way in. Do whatever you want to do, Shang-Chi. Yeah, right. Endings don't matter. <laughs> <laughs> No, you're a wrestling fan for crying out loud. The finish is all that matters. I'm going to segue off there and say, if you want to talk about the finish, that all, that's all that matters. I saw Bodies, Bodies, Bodies last night. I saw Adequate it yesterday. Enough. Adequate enough movie. Loved the ending. I thought exactly. the, the big reveal of the movie is amazing. The, it, it just lifted the movie up for me. Yeah. Really like, good. Oh, you have to be able to stick the landing. I don't care where you go. It's why it's why the second movie of a trilogy is always the best, because I don't have to worry about wrapping things up. It's always like we can just leave it here. Yeah, great. Great story. 
what do we do from here? Let the next guy worry about it. All right. Um, uh, we talked about fatigue, but is the storytelling getting worse in the MCU in phase four? They're just starting over. It's hard because phase three was so good because it had 20 some movies leading up to it. And now this is essentially phase one again, where it's like, now we have to set up for what the next big thing is. So but they're I not really setting up, anything up. Uh, that's they're it. Kind of they're, setting up, the they're setting that's up Kang. They're setting up Secret Wars. They're setting up the multiple realities that are going to lead to Secret Wars. And they set up Kang and Loki. I... I think phase four is better than phase one. And I think that's the comparable point. It's not as good as three or two, but four isn't comparable to three or two at this point. I think the thing is in phase one, they were looking to create a small group of characters and they had their eyes as far as Avengers one. That was it. And who is it? It's the Shatari. It's Loki who wasn't supposed (laughs) to even be coming back, but he tested so well. They went, all right, bring him back with them. But it's just a faceless threat to Earth. Okay, they're gone. They're done. Heroes. And that's it. But instead, we're trying to do phase one and phase two and phase three and set up for all three of them at the same time. And that's the problem, especially because you've also raised our stakes. And I got news for you. The The characters who got off the bus ain't as strong as the characters getting on the bus cap and iron man and natasha romanov and insert other characters who have left here are stronger characters than 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 shang chi and the eternals and eternals my my never-ending shilling for the mcu continues we have the entirety of the x-men to get to whenever they want to and we have until, to set them up as well. Until until 2008, the X-Men were vastly more popular than the Avengers. Yeah, I know. <laughs> the problem and is so you, the so problem is you can't put you can't put the toothpaste back in the tube. It's happened. We've seen the the problem is we we've had these high moments. And right. now you're telling everybody be patient and chill, but they can't even be patient and chill. Because they're well, throwing content out every two seconds. Let's let's use a wrestling uh a little bit of wrestling terminology. Love wrestling terminology. Wait, okay, ECW, uh, to a lot of people, killed the business. Extreme Championship Wrestling, hardcore wrestling killed the business because it exposed the fact that it's fake and the fact that all this stuff is planned for a lot of people. And so we've reached these massive heights, these high spots, and now all the wrestling we get is high spots, jumping, flipping. There's no, like, grapple matches anymore. The last one I saw that was any good was like AJ Styles versus John Cena when they didn't leave the ring for like 30 minutes. That was terrific. We've had our ECW moment. We had our watershed attitude era moment when Mm -hmm. it comes to Marvel. That was Avengers Endgame. And now we're left with what? The PG era? In terms of wrestling? (laughs) How how do we recover? How do we we get people back in? If 60% of the people who were heavily invested in the MCU were just like, all right, phase three is over. I saw Endgame. I'm out. I'm fine with that. Like, I get it. You're right. Like, that was very much a high water point. If you want to leave on that, I don't begrudge anybody that. But I'm just saying it still works for me. And I just want want Jubilee in the MCU. Give her a movie. Give her a TV show. I don't care. The friggin' Fox gave us like 10 seconds total of Jubilee, man. <laughs> I guess the problem is that, yes, yeah, percent of them, are the, you know, Endgame was a good place to put the full stop. Of course, they're not going to because it's still a, a, a property you can, you can monetize heavily. And this whole thing's going to work towards a endpoint where I believe all they're going to do is they're going to hit the reboot button and be able to bring back the characters you want to see again, Tony Stark, but with a different face behind it. Yeah, that, that's see, my, that will be my. That's my that's prediction. What I don't want them to do. Oh, 
Yeah. Because that hasn't happened with Batman over and over again. I mean, this well, is yeah, but, this is Batman, Batman times a thousand. Have, Batman didn't have a 30, a 30 movie continuity. Exactly. Like, I love the continuity that they've established. And when they're done with this continuity, I'll kind of be like, all right. However, I'm, the problem is don't care for people who check out and go, I'm done. And you go to the cinema. It's still like Marvel superhero stuff, wall to wall everywhere. That's why to bring the conversation is me, baby, to bring the conversation almost full circle. (laughs) That's why Top Gun Maverick was such a refreshing film because you gave me a big event movie that paid off and it wasn't based on a comic book. I could go in and sit down and I just had an experience over those two and a half hours. And even if you haven't seen Top Gun, the first one, that movie was totally accessible to you. But it's not a zero sum game. Like I loved Top Gun more than I've loved any MCU movie that's come out this year. But that doesn't it doesn't become like because i like top gun i have to subtract some of my love from no far from it i loved i loved the bullet train which had nothing come before and And, i think it was a fantastic movie and maybe it's different in the states i mean i can like i i have it within me to appreciate what the mcu is doing yeah and still want to see i'm not arguing tribalism you don't have to pick one over the other that's not my argument here my 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 argument's always about wrestling aew or wwe choose both okay there's (laughs) lots of good wrestling you don't have to choose one but I will say this, that's us. I come from a, from a, a part of the place where, you know, there's only so, there's a finite number of cinema screens. That's the choice. And the fact being, when I get to go in now, that decision's been made for me. It's limited down my choices. And you know Marvel's always going to get two to three of those screens each film. But so, I think the way we watch movies now is different. Like, I just last weekend watched Prey. It wasn't released in theaters that didn't subtract from how great prey was. I still really loved watching it. It's still a fantastic movie. Like I think because of the pandemics, because of the way we have essentially theater setups in our home, like the cinema isn't the be all end all. I will always go because I love the cinema, but I don't think people equate things releasing to directly as streaming as like the direct to video movies from the nineties. And that's not even close to a correlation. No, but I don't think anything elevates to that big mass public conversation because blockbusters are now only the area of established properties and largely of comic book, um, based properties. And those are the ones who have to be part of that big conversation. Whatever metric you want to measure that by, go ahead. But that's the thing. Yeah, I can watch films on Netflix. God God bless them. You know, but, you know, something like The Gray Man, which is probably the exception to the rule here. Loved Gray Man. There we go. Loved it, baby. Gray Man watched it. Did a see it or skip it? I said, see it, man. Had a great time with it. So much fun. There's no story, but I had a lot of fun. (laughs) That's what my wife said. I disagree. But, you know, it was... uh, it was an enjoyable time, but the, the, the likelihood of that happening, because you go from a world where a cinema, where it's, I don't know, eight screens, 12 screens, p- pick your number, to Netflix, where now all of a sudden I have infinite choice. So what are the odds we're going to come together on something to have a discussion about? Those things that we do, whether it's, it tends to be more TV thing, but whether it's, it's Stranger Tiger Things, King. Squid Game, Tiger King, whatever these things are that we can stream and binge and become part of that conversation, those it seems to uh, television on streaming services, Basil, pick your pick a thing here. But in film, it just seems to be these same. The, the, it's pizza, and whether it's Domino's or Pizza Hut, we're all eating pizza tonight, and that's what's I mean, on the menu. 
Yeah, you know what? I love pizza. Again, I'm not saying I don't. I love pizza, but sometimes I just want to have a chance to go somewhere else. Yeah, I, you know fair. what it boils down to for me, and I say this all the time on Twitter because it, it is my driving thought of everything I do on Twitter or watching movies is like not everything should be for me because then the world would be boring and I'm never going to begrudge anybody else their movie opinions. Like I 100% respect and admire your opinions about all this. And I know you and I have been going back and forth a lot on the MCU. here. I don't think you're wrong at any point. I think what you say is all valid and true. I'm just saying like, I still like the MCU and I hope they keep making big budget movies. That's why. Yeah, that's the thing. Cause I don't. I don't know. I don't think I want the MCU to go away. I'd like him to slow down, but I don't yeah, want him to go away. Cause I don't want a world where pizza doesn't exist. I still like that. I. I, I just. Yeah, it's just the idea about sitting down. I realized I don't know, a couple of years ago, I sat down to watch a film, and every preview I saw was just a recreation of something else that had come before. And I thought back to, you know, I just we just watched Air Force One, you know, a film that wouldn't get made now. It, 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 it just wouldn't so. have what was the last time you saw a big budget action film or something a concept like that i saw bullet train last week okay I, I <laughs> how big budget is no seriously how big budget is that though? I'm, right? I'm curious i don't know i don't know it looked pretty i don't know what the budget was i, I just i know it got very little press over here so i, I don't know maybe i'm maybe i'm really uh, yeah that's oh, it. Oh, all over the place here it's 90 million 90, 90 million yeah. 90 million yeah. budget yeah so i don't know i didn't see much on it uh scott did you see much about it i didn't see much at all i just yeah. knew about it from buzz online that's why so i went that's and sorted out myself because I was going to go see it and then realized, oh, it's not open here yet. And that's when I realized it's one of those few films that still seems to have a very staggered release between America and, and the UK, it seems. I think, I think my, my bugbear when it comes to Marvel, MCU, and also just these blockbuster temple IPs where everyone understands what they are and knows what they are going into it, is that whole pizza concept. It's the ease of access for people. Um, it doesn't push anyone anymore. These mid-budget films that used to come out where you didn't need things going into it and people didn't have these IPs particularly. And so, you know, they would stretch and try things out. And, oh, we tried this film out because I saw the trailer the other day or I heard good press about it. Whereas now everyone knows what Marvel is. And so you will reach for pizza because it's easier than having to stress yourself by learning what Bullet Train is. And so Bullet Train makes no money. That's where I come down. On. And that's the thing they because the Marvel reviews and that made me sad <laughs> because because mm-hmm. the Marvel always makes the money. Of course, if I was a cinema screen owner, I'm pumping that in three or four screens and just yep. like when I went and saw Thor Love and Thunder, I was one of like five people in the cinema. But because I came right from work at three ten, I was in my seat by three thirty five because they were playing it every half an hour. Mm-hmm. And that was what they determined made, made, made money for the capacities it sits. I don't blame that guy, but I just I'm ready for. I'm ready for a shift in the zeitgeist where where original story can come back and we're okay with that. Like, what was the last, I said action movie, what was, what was the last rom-com you saw that kind of came out and captured the public's attention in the cinema? You know, these are the genres that used to be up for grabs cinematically. We just don't see. And that's a shame. That's a shame. So, Well, yeah. they got to be able to sell it in China. That's Yeah, issue. that's, yeah. 
That's really what it is. Also, I think genres just kind of come and go. Like, you could say the same thing about a Western. When's the last time you've seen a big Western? Like, rom-coms, I think, are just kind of a thing that don't necessarily get made. But, like, horror, talk about horror. Nope came out this year and did incredibly well. well. Hang on. Horror you will always do well with because horror, you you, you know know who horror appeals to? It appeals to teenagers. And teenagers don't (laughs) care about story. They care about jump scares. And you want to tell them that, you know, their life at any moment and be scared and live for now. Horror will always have a space because teenagers are like 90% of the box office. Horror, horror and, 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 and B level animation. They ain't going anywhere because single dads trying to connect with their kids. Got to take them somewhere before McDonald's. (laughs) Should we spend time with our children? No. Minions five is playing. Go see that. (laughs) The secret life of pets. Go see that. I need Dwayne The Rock Johnson telling me how much he cared about this this feature and what he did. Uh, shut up. But The Rock for Aladdin 2. Make it happen. Genie Boogaloo. <laughs> that's what I was saying. They had to cut the line on that crap. <laughs> oh, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, so that's really, I mean, that's what I've got. I don't know if anybody else has anything else they wanted to bring up. Bless you. We've been talking for a fair bit. Feels like it's that silence that goes, yep, we're, we're, we're good. So uh, I really want to thank Kev from the podcast that wouldn't die. Stu from Stu World Order Productions. Agent Scott from the Spy Hards podcast. Carlo from the Movie Loot for joining us around the virtual roundtable and talking. Yeah, I didn't really have much plan besides just a few like bullet notes. And uh, and I, I feel we had a conversation in many places. And I appreciate everybody's perspective because it's fun to talk with people who are as passionate about film, the art of filmmaking, and their experience as a viewer. And I think those are all separate things. And to actually be able to articulate them in a way that was uh, engaging and, for me, highly entertaining. So thank you very much, gentlemen. I appreciate your time. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Outside of that, we are over here. Well, we are. I am uh, representative here of the BFE. Catch what we got coming up on the pod over the next few weeks. Hit the Twitter at Best Film Ever Pod. We'll have the links to all these fine gentlemen shows in the notes for this. And outside of that, I guess we'll catch you on the flippity flap. The flippity flip flop. <laughs>